So here in the Gospel according to Luke chapter 1, we're going to find our passage of, of emphasis found starting at verse 26. Starting at verse 26, and you'll find these words. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Amen. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month of, for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Amen. amen. For a subject for our lesson, amen, on today, um, we're going to continue with the beginning of the Christmas story, part three. The beginning of the Christmas story, part three. Um, if you uh, remember from our previous uh, parts, amen, that this is a Gentile by the name of Luke who is a physician who is giving an orderly account of the life of Jesus Christ for his friend, Theophilus. He calls him, oh, most excellent Theophilus to allow us to know that Theophilus is a dignitary. And he wants Theophilus to get a very good understanding of who Jesus is. He knows that Theophilus has heard some things, but he's going to give him the story in detail. He's going to have to supply to him the narrative. And remember, saints of God, we've got to have the narrative as well. We can't just be walking around willy-nilly. We need to know the story. So that when anybody asks us about the hope that lies within us, we can tell them about Jesus. We can tell them about the story of how he came 
and we can tell him how the story of how he died. We can tell them the significance around it. Amen. And that's what Luke was doing, the physician Luke was doing for his friend Theophilus. And so that it is our responsibility as believers to have the narrative right for the world that we live in today. Amen. And we saw, amen, in the second part how God does the impossible. Amen. When everybody else has thrown in the towel and closed the doors, locked, turned off the lights and went home, God is still in the blessing business. But he's not done yet. Amen. We see that even in the midst of the uh, miraculous activities and events that God has brought into place in our previous study, amen, he's not done. Because that is really the trumpet sounding for what's to come. Amen. So we look at our text and we look at verses 26 through 28 and we think about Nazareth. Thinking about Nazareth, we must realize that the conditions of a place have no bearing over the will of God. The conditions of a place have no bearing over the will of God. Now, if some of y'all remember, Nazareth is not the nice little quaint town that our society tends to paint it. The little town where kids can run up and down the streets and everything's all right and folk can be out in the manger and there ain't no trouble. No, the real Nazareth is not like that at all. The real Nazareth was a place where there was violence and evil. There was uh, mischief on every hand. Some of you will remember that uh, uh, one of the disciples, when they found out that Jesus came from Nazareth, said, is there anything good that can come from Nazareth? So we realize that God don't care anything about how bad or how good a place is in order for him to show up and show out. It don't have to be in the White House and it don't have to be in the outhouse, but he can do it wherever he wants to do it. Amen. See, God ain't worried about gangsters. He ain't worried about trap houses. He ain't worried about none of that. He ain't worried about the dope dealer. He ain't worried. When he gets ready to do his business, everybody's got to bow to the Lord. And God can go in a spot, amen, where nobody would ever think something good could happen and he can bring something good out of it. Amen. He can find somebody on the pipe in the room and say they sold right there. Amen. So never count God short in his ability to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ever ask or think. Amen. See, and usually that's not where we get caught up as much as the one who has gone without the Lord for many, many years, decades after decades, and it seems like that there's no possibility. God can save a person on their deathbed. After living 80 years of not being with the Lord, in the 11th hour, God can say and touch that person's soul and they can be saved that day. Never count God out. So in this particular text, we're looking at an environment, an environment where Growth is really not conducive. And, and I, I'm bringing this up because 
There are so many people that give a, a reason why they ain't saved or why they don't trust in the Lord is because why would the Lord have allowed me to come up in this place or that place? And see, folk try to outthink God. You can't outthink God. He's too infinitely smart and all-knowing for a finite mind like you and I to be able to outthink the Lord. Amen. Our purpose is to trust him and to trust him in his word. Because there are things, even after we trust him, we're not going to understand. Amen. But that's what faith is. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Amen. It's impossible to understand everything about God. Paul the Apostle said it right when he said, oh, how unsearchable are the ways of the Lord. He said, hey, I done looked all around. I done read. I done studied under the Gamaliel and I still don't understand God. His ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. The prophet Isaiah said it right when he said, as high as the heavens are from the earth, is his ways and our ways and his thoughts from our thoughts. Amen. So therefore, don't try to put God in the box. This text is showing us that God is going to the most unlikely place to do the most unlikely thing. See, we, we paint Mary in such a, a beautiful mosaic. I mean, we, get, we paint this painting of this idealistic place to where she came from. She came from the hood. Okay, she came from the rough side of the tracks. Uh-huh. She wasn't over there with the rich folks. She was over there with the poor folks. Nazareth was a, it was a tough spot. But realize that the Lord don't care nothing about how tough it is. When he's got something to do, he'll get it done. Amen? So look at our text. When you look at those verses... You see that it was the sixth month. The sixth month of what? Because you, when you look at the text, you're like, what are you talking, sixth month? What this is referring to is the sixth month of Elizabeth, her cousin's uh, 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 pregnancy with her son, John. It was in the sixth month of the miracle of the old lady named Elizabeth is now pregnant. It's the sixth month. So while she's pregnant, amen, coming on down the stretch, something else God is doing. How many of y'all know that while God is blessing somebody over here, he can bless you over here? Amen. God is don't run out of blessings. Mother Anderson, they, they can bless down in Texas down in Pittsburgh, over in Texas County. They can bless down in Tyler right now and can still bless us right here because God's just that kind of God. Amen. Amen. So it's in the sixth month of Elizabeth's blessing that God's blessing another woman. Amen. And her name is Mary. She's from the other side of the track. She's from the place that folk who, who felt like they were, you know, uh, uh, in the middle class and kind of on the refined side, they didn't go over there. See, if they kind of went around in Galilee, they stayed out of Nazareth. Are y'all following me? It's in that place. No, don't go over in there. Well, they might take off your chariot wheels and they steal your horse. Amen. Mm -mm, stay out of there. Sure don't go over there at night. Amen. But the Lord don't care anything about place. Amen. When you see the text, he sent his 
angel Gabriel. See, Gabriel has been doing a lot of talking about now. Six months ago, he talked to a priest who, who kind of got a, a, a funny attitude with him and he had to shut his mouth. Amen. He had to let, shut him down where he still ain't saying nothing. It's six months into this and Zechariah still can't say nothing. Amen. Because he talked to the Lord in the wrong way. It's the same angel that God has given this authority has now come to Mary. Amen. He's come to the hood and he don't care nothing about all of the gangster stuff that's going on. He's got a purpose to be there and he ain't worried about nothing else but the will of God. And you know what? That's how we got to be. God may send you some places that you really ain't all that comfortable with. But if he's sending you there, you go and don't worry about nothing but the will of God. Don't look to the left and the right and all of that. Don't carry purses, he say. Just go right in there and do what God needs you to do and move on. Because that's what the angel did. He go in, he told Zechariah what needs to be done. Zechariah didn't listen, shut his mouth, and he moved on. Amen. He's a worker for the Lord in his will. So the angel goes ahead, amen, and he talks to the virgin, amen. Because she's a virgin now. So she's without, she's without, and don't have a husband yet. She's betrothed to Joseph, but they ain't married yet. Amen. They haven't come to the point to have a consummation in marriage, but they're betrothed. But betrothal was a lot like marriage, but without the consummation. He was completely dedicated to her. It's not kind of like the dating scene that goes on in our Western world today. No, in the East, amen. Because that's the, that's the Middle East, amen. In the Middle East, amen, it was the idea of betrothal was like marriage without the consummation. So he was fully dedicated to her. It was as if she was already his wife without consummation. Are y'all following me? So, so Joseph is betrothed to Mary, amen, but the angel is now speaking to her about being with a child. So the text goes on. The the text shows us also that's very important is that Mary was from the house of David. She was from the house of David. Amen. And this is very important. It's very important because this also shows that when God gives the details of how he's going to do something, amen, he follows it to the letter. It doesn't matter how many years have passed. God still follows it to the letter. Because see, it's been a long time. Amen. Because from, from Abraham to uh, Mary is 40 and two generations. Amen. There are 21 generations from Abraham to David and 21 generations from David to Mary. That's a long time, y'all. 21 generations. 42 generations from the very start. But God don't care anything about that either. See, we don't want to get all trapped up and, and messed up about time. God don't care anything about that. Whatever he says he's going to do, he will do. Regardless of whether it happens in just a few days or whether it takes generations like it does in this particular case. So here now, he is fulfilling the promise that he said because he said that Jesus would be the Lion of Judah. He cannot be the Lion of Judah if he is not down through the descendancy of Judah. Amen. So it is important to see that, that uh, Mary was from the house of David because David is from the house of Judah. 
Amen. Are y'all following me? So what he said in meticulous detail is coming to pass. Amen. Look at our text. When we look at our text, we see that uh, when, the day, when the angel came in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Uh, in some of our uh, Christian circles, amen, uh, Mary is exalted to a, a really high place. Amen. Not just because God favored her, but because they believe that Mary had something that was unique about her that nobody else could have ever possibly had in order for her to be favored by the Lord. But that is not biblical if you look. There is no qualifications around Mary. She don't even live in a good neighborhood. Amen. She ain't even in that spot. That's not why God does what he does. We find in the New Testament, amen, that God does things because of his own good pleasure. See, it's nothing that we do that causes God to do great things in our lives other than the fact that he decided. Amen. We can't sit around beating our chest and, 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 and rubbing off our shoulders talking about how good we were and that's why God did what he did. No, he did it because he wanted to. What we find here is the favor that Mary had is the same kind of favor that we have and it's called unmerited favor. She didn't earn this favor. How can you earn favor with God? When God is holier than anybody anywhere could ever be, Mary falls into the same set of folks that all have sinned because there is nothing on the other side of all. So if Mary is exempt from that, then there's a problem here because then God is a lie. Because he said all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That includes Mary. But God's unmerited favor is what we're seeing here. As we studied in Sunday school this morning, Sister Pema, his unmerited favor is in our lives. We know without God's mercy, we'd be uh, laying in a bed in hell right now. Amen. We'd be burning and we'd be crying out like rich man DV saying, would somebody stick their finger in some water and cool my tongue? For I am tormented in the flame. Now that's the reality of all of this. So everybody here is here because of unmerited favor. And when God blesses and goes above and beyond salvation our life, that's favor. And that's unmerited favor of God. We didn't earn it. Amen. But God decided to give it to us. And that's why as we studied this morning that we ought to bless the Lord. We ought to praise his holy name because we are living in mercy and grace. We're living in unmerited favor in the sight of the Lord. We are blessed on every side because God is that good, not because we've been so good. So we praise his name. Amen. It said, bless the, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Everything in us ought to be praising the Lord because everything in us is here because God has been just that good. Amen. So we look at our text. And we see that 
the angel said the same thing. Rejoice. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. That the Lord has something special for you, Mary. Amen. First of all, that he's with you. And you know, saints of God, that's a reason to praise the Lord. That's a reason to rejoice. Everybody in here, because simply the Lord is with you. He didn't have to be with you today, did he? But he is. And for us, that ought to make us rejoice. To realize that we could be outside right now, spinning around, talking crazy, clucking like a chicken, amen, not knowing nothing about the Lord. But you know what he did? Early this morning, he touched us with the finger of his love, didn't he? Early this morning, he woke us up. Early this morning, he started us on our way. Early this morning, he gave us a brand new day. And not only that, he gave us a heart to come to the house of the Lord. That's big stuff right there, y'all. And if you can come to the house of the Lord and be joyous about it, to rejoice and to praise his name, you are in bonus area. Amen. You're in a great place when you can be like that because everybody ain't like that today. There's some folks with their face all twisted up this morning. There's some folks who are mad at the world. <laughs> but you're not mad at the world. But you are happy with the Lord. Amen. Alright, now we're going to move into another section of our text. Amen. Looking at verses 29 through 33. Uh, 29 through 33, amen, gives us another look at the favor of God. Amen. That unmerited favor. It says, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, I don't want you to go too fast past verse 29 because some of us have read this and read this and read this. But I contend today that it is just, it's more than the fact that the angel was there and he said it. It's more than just that. But can you imagine? Sure you can. You can imagine living in the undesirable part of town. Amen. I know I can because I've lived there. Being in the undesirable part of town. And when people ask you, where you, where you live? Where you from? And you tell them and they say, ooh, it's rough over there. Ain't it? I don't know how you stay there. How are you over in? Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, yeah, okay. Well, all right. And then maybe they would have come by, but after they find out where you're at, then they kind of reluctantly move back. So, so sometimes it, you, 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 you get ready to try to tell somebody where you stay, and you yourself already is ready to receive the negativity when you tell them where you live. Now, imagine Mary. Imagine that the story is just as dire about Nazareth when she was young as it was when Jesus 
was on the ministry road. Imagine if everybody was saying, Nazareth, hmm, what good thing can come out of Nazareth? Man, there ain't nothing good down there. Man, there ain't nothing down there but, 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 but uh, alcoholics and, and, and whoremongers and, and murderers and thieves and, man, there's all manners. Of, that's all going on in Nazareth. And now the woman who has heard this, she's living now, she's heard this, and now the angel comes by and says, you highly favored of the Lord. It's more than just that thought. It's like she's got to deal with the fact that all she's heard of is negativity. Amen. And now she's hearing something of this level of positivity. Amen. You, you got to realize that she should be troubled by it because she's been conditioned to the negative. And I bring this up because when you minister in this world, amen, you end up ministering to folks who have been conditioned in the negative. They ain't heard nothing good, amen, their whole life. They talk, their parents sometimes have talked bad about them and said they ain't this and they ain't that and you ain't going to never be this and never be that. And here you come along talking about the favor of God in their life and that God can do exceedingly abundantly above anything they ask or think. And all they've heard is negative. So if they respond a little strange and kind of a little reluctant and back off, kind of like uh, Mary did, it's, accept, it's expected, right? Because they've been conditioned in the opposite. But God still does not stop and say, oh, well, you've been talked about all your life, so I'm not going to bless you. Now, ain't that good news? Because there are some folk that have been blessed and need to be blessed that are being talked about right now. But they still need the good news of Jesus Christ so that they can make a turn in their life. There's some vicious cycles that's going on in generations of families that need to be broken. Amen. And it will be broken if they receive the word of God. Amen. So we look at our text. And we see that the angel was not deterred. He was not deterred. He told her, amen, to not be afraid. And said, Mary, for you have found favor with God. He keeps talking about this favor. He keeps reminding her that God's favor now has come to you. Not man's favor. Not man's approval. But God's favor and God's approval. See, every one of us in here, see, somebody's going to disapprove of you. And sometimes there's some folk, amen, that you highly respect. But you can't let what other folks think about you cause you to think less about yourself. You got to believe what God has said about you. How, how important and how uh, uh, precious you are in his sight. You're so precious in his sight that he sent his own son to die on a rugged cross, hang there and bleed and die for six hours for you and for me. Now that's precious. And he, that same Jesus didn't just die for the folks that's in here, but he died for the entire world. All of humanity is precious to Jesus. And that message and that narrative needs to get out into this world. Because as we talked about in part one, there's a whole lot of other narratives out there that's anti-God. We've got to have the narrative that's pro-God. Amen? Amen. So we look at our text. 
The angel says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom there will be no end. Can you imagine? With all of the negative, disparaging remarks that Mary has heard. That her compass is going due south. And now God is changing her compass to go due north. Can you imagine how much has to be going on in her mind trying to, to reconcile and trying to reckon with all of what she's heard in her past and now she's hearing something that's remarkable above anything she's ever heard before, anyone else has heard. This is not common, not only in Nazareth, but all of Galilee and Judea and all of Samaria and the uttermost. This is unique to her. But she's got to grapple with this. Amen. And God's going to be there to help her. Amen. She's going to grapple with it. Amen. But God's going to make a way, as we're going to see later in our text. And you must know that when you minister to those who have been disparaged, those have been counted out, those have been marginalized, those have been dejected, when they hear this word, it's a little hard for their palate. Amen. It's like somebody who, who has been eating Doritos all the time. Amen. And now somebody brings them a, a, a Kansas City strip. It's going to be hard for them to try to eat that piece of steak when they, all they've been eating is junk food. More or less than bring them a pot of collard greens and say, eat that. It's going to be real hard. Amen. But it's not impossible. Are y'all following me? So God is working and he's making a change in her, but at the same time, his providence is coming to full fruition now in the life of this Nazarene. Amen. She is now realizing where God is getting ready to step in and she is going to be the fulfillment of something that was promised many generations ago. Amen. Some of us in here today, amen, we are the promise of those who have gone on. There have been prayers for us, amen, of ancestors that we've never met. There are those who have prayed for their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren and their great-great-grandchildren and their great-great-great-grandchildren. They prayed for you and you never met them. Amen. And so Mary is seeing the providence of God and God does that same kind of work even in generations today. We don't know who prayed for us before we ever were so that we would be here today. Amen. Amen. And they have prayed for us and have not been able to see us. But the prayers live on because God lives on. So don't be uh, in any way, amen, uh, discouraged to pray for not just your generation and the next generation, but pray for generations that you will probably never see in this life. Amen. Because God still is an answerer of prayers. He's got time. Amen. Amen. And so when we look at this text, 
something else that, that, that really uh, grab, grabbed me when I was looking at this text. And that is, Mary knows who her child is. Let me, let me put it like this. Mary knows who her child is. Not just in name, but she knows that she is carrying the Son of God. She knows she's going to be carrying a perfect child. She's going to be carrying the one who's going to answer the messianic call that has been given many years earlier that many prophets and, and those who have served God has looked for is now being completed in her. Is now being conceived in her and will be birthed. I bring this up because I want to ask the question, if, if you were the parent of Jesus, how would you behave around him? If you knew that you had somebody this special in your life that was going to make this kind of difference in all the world, how would you behave? What would your life be like? How, how would you go about your daily? What would you be concerned about doing or not doing before this, your child? I bring that up because we may not be parents of Jesus, but we don't know how God is going to use our children. They may not be perfect, but they can be perfect enough to be used by God. So if you knew that your child may one day be a great evangelist that would go to uh, a dark city somewhere and preach the gospel to thousands of people and thousands of people are saved and saved from hell and damnation. If you knew those things, how would you live around your child? What things would you be interested in making sure that they knew? And what things would you make sure that they didn't know? Amen. How would you carry yourself? What would be most important? And so you must look at that as parents and grandparents that way today. When you're in the role of being a mentor over someone younger, you don't know how God is going to use them. But if you see them in the light of their potential in Christ, amen, that ought to tighten us up to live a little better. Amen. To talk a little better. Amen. To be more interested about the word of God and making sure they hear it. Not trying to drive, I mean, force it down their throat, but making sure it comes up in conversation where it makes sense. Amen. But sometimes we can relegate that to being not an important thing and inconsequential. And everything else of the world makes all the difference. But you know, athletics and, 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 and ballet and a lot of other things, amen, they are good, but they don't have the lasting value of salvation in the Lord. And neither, none of those things can save anybody else. The only thing that saves is the word of God. Amen. The only thing that gets folks up out of hell and into heaven is the word of God. Amen. All right, so now we come to the final section, amen, 
of this particular passage, verses 34 through 37. And it is simply nothing is impossible with God. You know, saints, we got to know that. It's got to be down in our being. Because it's one thing to say it. It's one, another thing to believe it. Because we can say, is there anything too hard for God? We can say that there's nothing impossible with God. But do we really believe it? And the way we believe it is by how we live it. How our actions align with it. There are so many things in life, amen, we may be saying one thing, but living another. We say, well, God is able to handle this, and I'm going to put it in his hands, and that I'm going to trust the Lord to do it. But then we go in there and start mingling and messing around in there and start messing things up. Sometimes we're looking to everybody else except the Lord in order to deal with our problem. We're on the phone. We're talking to such and such. We're trying to get, get favor with this person. We're trying to do this. We're making this call. And God is saying, after you're done with all that, why don't you check with me? Sometime after we done done all of that stuff, we still ain't getting nowhere because the Lord is saying, okay, after you get done, spinning around, I'm here. Amen. Because you said that there was nothing impossible with God. You said it, but you, your life is not showing it. And so God is saying, well, wait now. Now you said it, but you're living as if Whatever your situation is, it's too hard for me. But there is nothing impossible with God. This lesson, these, these verses in the last two parts are showing us God is doing things above and beyond anything that we could ever ask or think. Man, Elizabeth's an old lady now. Man, Zachariah's an old man. But things are shutting down. They ain't coming up. Right? And, they, and God says, no. Even now, you're going to have a child. And Zechariah, you're going to go in there and make sure she had one. And he's looking at the angel like, are you kidding me? And then the Lord had to shut his mouth. But God still got his way, didn't he? Because in her belly, amen, Elizabeth is a son and his name is John. We're six months into this, amen? Because look at the text. When we look at these verses, what we see is, look here, it says, for nothing will be impossible. Amen. And the text goes on to let us see that after the angel had answered her, amen, it said, now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son. Not that she's kind of maybe going to have a son. No, she really is having a son. And not just any son, this son is going to be strong. No, this ain't going to be one of those, well, she was old and so the baby comes out feeble. No, he's an indeed son. That means a son that's going to come out strong as if she was a 20-year-old woman. Amen. When she had him. Are you following me now? See, that's how God works. See, God don't work halfway. He goes all the way. Amen. So the text says, then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be, let it to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See, the angel had, the, 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 it had he had departed. He had uh, dispensed what God had given him. 
and it was time for him to move on. Amen. Sometimes, as believers, this is the same MO that we ought to have. Sometimes it's just our job to come in, dispense the information, amen, and move on. And let God deal with the rest. Amen. Gable didn't sit around and, are you sure you're ready, uh, Mary? And did, are you sure you believe what has been said? He said what he said, and he's out of there. Amen. He said what God gave him to do. Sometimes God gives you X to say, and then you go in and try to say Y. But see, once you get outside of X, you, you're getting out there in, in rough territory. You're getting out there to where you just might say the wrong thing. Amen. So, so you got to be listening to the Lord when you're ministering to make sure you say just what he's called you to say and be done. If God calls you to linger, then that's good too. But sometimes it's just to dispense the word, amen, and to move on. Amen. But there is nothing impossible with God. As we close, amen, even when you think that the Lord's word hasn't done what you think it ought to do. There's nothing impossible with God. When it seems like you, it has fallen on deaf ears, there's nothing impossible with God. When it seems like everything that you have said, they have rejected, there's nothing impossible with God. Just like it was not impossible for God to make sure that uh, an old woman conceived with an old man, surely he can save souls. Surely he can turn around wrecked relationships. Surely he can heal bodies that are sick. Surely he can heal folks who don't think that there is no answer for their problems. When the doctors have closed their tablets, amen, and said nothing we can do. Amen. When they have taken or loose all of their fancy equipment, God is still able. There's nothing impossible for God. And it may be that in your lives as, as a vision or a dream that you had. It seems like that that dream should have came Ten years ago, but it ain't came yet. You think that the lights are out on that dream. Don't give up on God. Because you think you may be too old for this or too old for that. But God was just getting you ready to receive the blessing. See, sometimes in our youth, we are not ready to receive what God has for us. We think we're ready to handle it, but we are not mature enough yet. But God will send us through a series of things in our life to get us where he needs us to be then to deliver it at the right time. So don't be looking so much in your rearview mirror as you need to be looking in your window, throughout your windshield, and seeing that God can still do what you think has been gone past. What you think is history can be your future. God bless you and God keep you is my prayer. Amen? Amen. The doors of the church are open. There may be somebody here today, amen, who needs to get their business fixed. There may be somebody who has been doubting, needs some prayer today, amen. Today is the day to take care of that business, amen, because the Lord is willing and able to take care of your every need, amen. Come unto
care of 